0: Hello, good evening, you're all right. Um, on Friday night, I uh, turned up at my street pretty late at night, about half past nine, been away um, with work. And when I pulled in and slammed the car door, my neighbour, I saw the curtain twitch and she pulled it um, to the side, knocked on the window and said, Wait. And then, um, so I hung about outside my door. And then the mum of the family who lived next door and her oldest daughter came out and they had a package for me that they'd signed for whilst I'd been away, which was very kind. And uh, then we had a quick chat about how our weeks had been, and we'd actually both had, like, parties on the Saturday night, and our walls are paper thin, so we'd heard each other's, like, parties, and so we were chatting about how that had gone, and how we'd actually wanted to sort of invite each other, but we were both doing things at the same time, and anyway, then she invites me round for dinner uh, this week, um, which I'm really excited about, because... Pakistani home-cooked food is just going to be better than anything I could do. So I'm pretty buzzing about that one. So, um, And I said yes and uh, went into the house and two thoughts crossed my mind immediately. Firstly, I realised that part of living an invitational lifestyle, something I've been learning since I moved house, is that it's a two-way street. It isn't a case of I showed up to Middlesbrough, have done all the inviting of people around my house... And as if I've got all of the things to bring and that the people I live with and I'm meeting and I'm genuinely making friends with as if they've got nothing to invite me to in return. So I started to realise if we genuinely are inviters, we need to expect that people also invite you into their lives too. And um, I will know more about Islam and Hinduism from living on my street and being an invitational Christian who genuinely believes I have something to learn from and to say yes to when other people invite me in, rather than thinking I've got all the answers. Walking in, I'm the one that does dinner around my house. You know what I mean? So I started to realise, wow, that's the first time in four months, and I've invited my street. I, literally, I've door knocked because otherwise I'd have no friends. So I've honestly, any time like there's a neighbour walking past, I chase them. Like when I saw them going in like number twelve, I'm like, go, hi, hi doing it literally it means lame but I need to have friends because I literally know nobody so I've I have been inviting literally anyone around my house and um, that's the first time I got invited back and I thought oh actually I'm I'm starting to get it I must be starting to get what an invitational lifestyle is because it isn't just a one-way street and the second thing I thought when that happened on Friday night was that is perfect timing for my sermon on Sunday ideal <laughs> so this is G2's year of invitation and the joy of tonight is that I get to launch it with the church and um Holly could not have teed me up better because this is like my joy as well as my job. Like I absolutely love talking about the idea that we are in fact all invited to the things of Jesus and yet somehow in this crazy upside down kingdom, he then uses you to become the invitation. So what does it mean for us to be G2 on this year of invitation? An invitational church, invitational people and what does it mean to be invited by the invitational God? And my aim today, my disclaimer for you, is that I'm not looking to tonight make you feel guilty or inadequate about how you may or may not be an invitational person living an invitational lifestyle for Jesus right now. It would be very easy to make this uh, talk around things you can do to be more invitational and then send you off with homework. I'm not going to do that. In fact, there is no formula that you can apply and then achieve and tick the box of, I've played my part in G2's year of invitation. Not going to happen like that. If we're talking about lifestyle and culture change, if we're talking about an understanding of who God is, and out of the overflow of who God is, recognising we too can be a living invitation to real life, full life, true life, that is like a whole theology rewiring. It is a day-by-day, step-by-step understanding of Holy Spirit, teach me, how are you inviting me? And therefore, how might I invite others? So there is no moment here of me going, you should have done that. You could have done this. I hope you will do that going forward. No guilt, no pressure, no to-do list, and certainly no quick fix. The year of invitation for G2 is far less about what G2 is doing or could do, and it's about who you are and who you are becoming as the people of God. Who are you becoming? How might we become the people of invitation this year? And I can't really do that. That's got to be Holy Spirit revelation and breakthrough. So I'm going to ask him now that he might give us eyes to see and ears to hear that revelation of who God is and as an invitational God. Otherwise, there's no point in me saying anything else. Let me quickly pray. Holy Spirit, presence of God. I ask in the authority in the name of Jesus for your insight and your revelation of God as the God of invitation. Father, will you open the eyes of this church? Will you open the eyes of each of us now to know how much we are loved and invited by you? God, give us new eyes for this. Give us fresh vision that from a place of identity in you, we might be inviters. In Jesus' name, amen. So what does it mean that God is the God of invitation? Because that's where we've got to start. Well, you know about invitation if you've experienced it. If you've ever been invited into a friendship group, ever been invited onto a WhatsApp thread, if you've ever been invited into a circle of trust because somebody's told you something that not everybody knows about them, if you've ever been invited round for dinner, invited to an event, invited to see a family on the difficult days, not just when they turn up like, for, like in their best dress for Sunday, but actually when the school runs hectic. If you've ever been invited into something, then you'll really understand what it means to feel invited and what that experience is like. In the same way, if you've, ever, if you've not realised that you are invited in by God, I wouldn't be surprised if you didn't know that part of being a follower of Jesus means you get to invite others. Because that first breakthrough, that revelation of what it means to be invited comes before I give you any challenge of who might you be inviting. thing is, how would you know that the dinner table right from how Jesus modeled it in scripture through to today the dinner table is a place where you could just add one more add one more to your cooking with your housemates with your coursemates with your friends if you've never been invited to eat around somebody else's house in a culture of kind of everybody keeps their own cupboard and locks the door and we just kind of grab some food on the way out if you've never been invited into let's share a meal together and share life together how do you know to invite if you've never been invited to pray with somebody or invited would you like me to pray for that for you How would you know that prayer isn't just a private event behind closed doors in your room, keep it personal, but it's also an opportunity for invitation, also for your friends that don't know Jesus? Because a prayer isn't just just for Christians, of course not. (laughs) The whole dream of prayer is that people realise anybody can communicate with God because he's a breath away. But if you've never been invited to share prayer, how would you know that you can invite others? And if you've never realised that money's not for you, like, it's to share. Like, we have stuff in order that there be no need amongst us in our community. So if God has given you abundant resources, guess what? It's to give away. It's to hand on. If you've never been invited to get, to, like, offer your need or offer your resource and see the two join together before, how would you know about generosity? How would you know we're all invited to share if you've never experienced it? The most powerful way to understand invitation is to experience being invited. In the same way with God, if we've not realized that if you call yourself a Christian, a follower of Jesus, if you'd say that, oh, yeah, actually, like, I have faith in God, at some point, and in fact, at many points during your story, you must have RSVP'd yes to God. God is the God of invitation. So for you to say, actually, I trust him, I follow him, I have faith in him, I can sing those songs with integrity because I actually believe it. At some point when God's gone, do you think I'm real? You've gone, yes. Do you trust me with this? You've said Yes, our, our whole faith is built on daily acceptance of the invitation of God of come closer. Lean into me. Listen, every time you open the Bible, God is inviting you, will you hear my voice through these scriptures? Can you hear me? Can you see me? Can you see Jesus' fingerprints all over the story? Can you see? God is a God of relentless invitation. Following Jesus involves a yes to God over and over again. You know, that Psalm 84 that we heard at the start, one of the parts of it that David writes, an amazing worshipper and king in the Old Testament, he writes, blessed are those whose heart is set on pilgrimage. That means basically blessed with God's favour and spirit is on you when you're set on a journey of yesids, a holy journey towards God, a pilgrimage, a journey of significance towards God. To be a Christian means you're consistently saying yes to the invitation of God, and he isn't a one-hit wonder. It's over and over and over again. Some of you won't have had momentary experiences of, I knew Jesus, I don't know Jesus, and I do know Jesus, and that's my one time I said yes to the invite. Some people have defining moments. I don't. I, I was raised a Christian, got introduced to Jesus from birth, so I don't remember, like, a moment. But over and over again in my life, do I choose to trust God? Do I choose to trust him enough to move to Middlesbrough when I literally know nobody and think, I think God whispered it. I think I'm going to say yes to his invitation to try something. What are you saying yes to over and over again? Because we'll be an invitational people when we realize we are constantly saying yes to an invite of God first. There's this amazing bit in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, which will be on the screen, but you might also want to turn to it. Paul's writing to the church, and it's one of my favourite bits of scripture because it reminds me of what an invitational lifestyle means. Caught up in the identity of an invitational God. 2 Corinthians 5, starting at verse 17, this is what Paul says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation The Message Version puts the same bit like this. God put the world square with Himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering the forgiveness of sins. I love this bit. God has given us the task of telling everybody what He's up to. We're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. As always, God went first. He started this whole invitation culture. Every year is the year of invitation when you're talking about God. God sent himself as humanity, and in the very act of sending Jesus, he invited us, he invited his humanity to be part of the salvation story. God literally pitched up to Mary and was like, I will literally dwell in you. I will move in to you. I will live in you, and through you, I will save you and cause you to be a vehicle to see other people come to know me too. Mary is a prime example of carrying the presence of God, quite literally in her case, and being used... As part of the story of other people being invited to meet Jesus, God made knowable in person. And God has continued that same pattern over and over and over again, including with us. He says, basically, you get reconciled with me, you join back to me, you meet me, and then your job is to invite others to meet me too. In the very act of meeting me, you become an invitation to others. This whole thing becomes an overflow of who God is, how much he loves you, what he's doing in your life. And as soon as you encounter him, straight away the overflow is you become an invitation. Just as Jesus was the living, breathing, walking, talking invitation to the world when he rocked up in the flesh, he then said, now you go do the same. In fact, you guys will do more than I did. Suddenly we realise this year of invitation can't be about duty And it can't be about a chore, it's an overflow and it's good news. And good news isn't hard or awkward or clumsy to share. Good news becomes exciting and the fact that you get to invite is a privilege. That you get to be a carrier of God to a world that doesn't yet know they're made. That's a privilege. Now more specifically... A whole bunch of us are sat in this room. In fact, I'd argue everybody is here tonight because in one way or another, you've been invited. Now that invite, indirectly, is a God invitation. Because to be in this room, some part of you, whether you've got no desire to be following Jesus, but you're slightly curious as to what's going on, all the way through to card carrying, fully paid up, I'm a Christian, I'm in. In some way, I would suggest God is inviting you to know more of him, whether you're almost at the door or right at the front on your face. But chances are, unless some of you woke up from a dream, an angel or an audible voice of God, which happens, but not always, it might be that you got invited here by a friend or a Facebook post or a text or through the student link-up app. In some way, you're sat here because you RSVP'd, yes. And in fact, we've got the stats on how you're here. So about half of us have been invited to G2 by a friend. You're here because somebody invited you. I also thought it was just worth clocking. About a quarter of people, it's an online invitation that meant for whatever reason, whether that was your Facebook status or wording on the website, people felt invited enough and welcome enough to show up in person from online. That won't, obviously, that stat probably didn't exist 10 years ago. And now that's a quarter of the church might have made a response because of your online life. Just worth clocking. I mean, I first came to G2 because as a fresher, a second year student invited me. His name was James. Um, He was notoriously late for everything. And so he made no exception to the day he introduced me to G2. We actually got lost getting to G2, because he tried a new way that went through trees, we had to literally climb a fence, trespass across a soaking wet football pitch and I turned up 20 minutes late covered in mud, (laughs) with a random second year boy, didn't look great (laughs) but I stayed and we're fine now, it's okay that was back in the days when we met at David Lloyd gym, so literally I was going across sports pitches like, where is this church? Fun, I came here off a personal invite, and 53% of the people in the room that's the same so then we asked because we did thank you by the way for those of you that responded to the survey online before christmas really helpful because a whole bunch of the community did so this stuff's actually based on we asked you um we asked the question who were you when you got invited like where were you at in your faith and this is what we said so just worth clocking what i noticed from these stats as you can see overwhelmingly people are invited to g2 if they already follow jesus we are very good at spotting the Christian and making sure they know they're welcome at this church. So that's that's lovely in some senses, but it's also um, understandably easiest, isn't it? Because it's easy to invite somebody that, number one, sort of believes the same thing as you. Number two, knows what church is. Number three, probably quite open to going to church because they get that part of being a Christian is to be involved in the community of God. It's not just a private thing where you don't tell anyone. You're part of a family, so join in. So I get it. It's, it's like... A, it's an easy invite. It makes sense. In a way, we're preaching to the choir, but the choir still needs community. So hooray, lovely. But I'd also just challenge you, unless you literally don't know anybody that doesn't know Jesus, I do wonder whether there's a whole bunch of inviting, a whole bunch of opportunities that we've not tried yet. Because if the vast majority of people that we're even trying to invite are Christians. When God says the harvest is plentiful, that's it, people that are open to something of god are right there and ready the workers are few so it's the people to invite them that are low in number not the amount of people that need to be invited and are open to being invited i just wonder whether we got that slightly the wrong way around around not realizing that god says there's loads of people ready to be invited if only you gave them the chance if only we didn't say their no for them without actually ever asking The thing is, I found it it, at uni, um, lots of my friends were really committed to our friendship. So although they weren't bothered particularly about God, because I was so bothered about God and my community, they said yes to the invite because it mattered to me. So it mattered to them. There'll be a whole bunch of your friends where they might not have ever mentioned church as being a particular interest, but they care about you. And if you care about this, that whole thing just makes sense in terms of authentic friendship. And the other thing I thought was, you're here. So unless you think your friends are literally the polar opposite to you in every way, somehow G2 seems to work for you. Why wouldn't it work for them? If you've managed to find home here, in all the messiness and brokenness, and we're just trying to have a go, but we're all kind of not sure how to lead a church, but we're giving it a good go for the laugh. You know what I mean? Like, aside from all of that, somehow you have found this to be a place to be. Why have you judged that your friends wouldn't? Why do What makes your yes not valid for somebody else? Just thought I'd ask. Maybe we need faith that God is, in fact, at work even when we don't see him. Maybe we need to ask, Holy Spirit, will you give me the gift of faith that you're inviting my friends, not just me? Like, you know, it's not exclusive. It's not like you're the special one that got the invite from God, but the rest of the world, no deal. Actually, Scripture says everybody's invited. He has committed to us this message of reconciliation. What a challenge that God actually said, oh, the other cool thing is I'm inviting everyone and I'm choosing to use you. Maybe we need to ask Holy Spirit, will you give me the gift of faith that you actually would use me, little old me, in all my kind of stumbling words. I'm not quite sure how to describe G2 because it is a bit weird. I don't know. Maybe, just maybe, God wants to use you. Now, I really want to stress that uh, the stats and things that we're looking at here are quite G2 focused in terms of G2 organized events focused. That isn't a missional lifestyle. That isn't an invitational lifestyle. It's not all. It can't all be counted in G2 things. Of course it can't. On the survey, we couldn't include all of the questions like, how many people who don't know Jesus do you eat with regularly? Who do you hang out with? Which of your housemates do you go and support their football match because you're a good friend and you're supporting them? Or who did you pray with last that might not have known they could talk to God? I know there's a whole bunch of ways in which you're probably living an invitational lifestyle that we didn't calculate on a survey. So that's the disclaimer. We know there's more than just g2 things but here's the thing when we live in invitational lifestyles at some point this thing must overflow to our gathered expression of faith because it's a big part of your life like your faith isn't absent from your friendships or, or you're probably not being like a truthful friend in the sense that you, it's not like you're like literally lying about where you go on Sunday you you know when your housemate's like why why do they leave then? I'd really like to think you've just told them the truth. <laughs> like, I, just, I just walk down the road, actually. You know, like this thing goes on and it's called church and we call it G2 and it's got a weird name and it doesn't actually mean anything, but it kind of does, but don't worry about it. Anyway. <laughs> True. Genuine. Uh, just the name of the gym room that we met in. G2. Still there. Pilates happens in there now. <laughs> the thing is, as part of living an invitational lifestyle, at some point you'll have deeper meaningfuls with your friends. Of course you will. It'd be weird if it was all surface level the whole time, at some point your friend will go through something that's really tough. You've got no answers for it, but you can pray. At some point, if you're living an invitational lifestyle, you'll offer to pray for them because actually you're not a doctor, you're not a therapist, and nothing, nothing else will really do. But you know the Holy Spirit's called a counsellor, so you think that might help, right? So you see what I mean? Like As you are giving out this invitational lifestyle, as you're both sharing and learning from your friends and inviting them back to know more of the things you believe in i do expect g2 gathered to come up at some point because you'll be involved in a hub because alpha's a thing because you go somewhere on sundays because you actually believe jesus is real because you read the bible because actually god kind of gave you a bit of an insight into how your friend was really doing so you decided to share what might be going on with them you see what i mean so although we can't calculate everything you do that's invitational an overflow effect of an invitational life is sometimes we see people in person show up to know more of god in church And that's why we ask, because even Jesus ate with a lot of people, but he didn't just eat and drink with them. He challenged tax collectors to change their lives. He challenged them to give all their money away. He challenged people to set up faith communities as they made a response of yes to Christ. Jesus didn't just stay in coffee shops. Jesus then moved on into real transformational Holy Spirit encounters that meant churches were planted and communities transformed because Jesus demands a response. And if you're living an invitational life, at some point, Jesus will come up if you're authentic about it, because he's in your life. He's living in you, through you. He's what your life's about, you see? There's a girl called Lauren that's part of our community, and I spent a year meeting up for coffee with her. Took her a year before she said yes to an invite to a Sunday. Took another six months of her feeling invited into more of the kingdom of God just by being around G two before she said yes to the invite of Jesus and gave him her whole life. Coffee leads somewhere. We didn't just stay drinking nice lattes. Because blessed are the hearts of those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. There's a God journey going on here. We're going somewhere. So let's have a look at how invitational we currently are, and to what. I don't know whether I don't know what your reactions are to these stats or not. By the way, um, maybe they're just as you predicted. Maybe they're a surprise to you. But let me just flag a few things that I just noticed. Sunday services, okay. Basically, at best, half the community has ever invited somebody on a Sunday last year. That's just an invite. Remember, it's not the yes. You're not in charge of somebody's yes. You don't control somebody. You don't change hearts. Holy Spirit does that with the invite. Okay? Not the answer with the invite. So, uh, in some ways, well done, because the evening service has more inviters than the afternoon service. That's also kind of obvious in the sense that we have a higher proportion of students in this service. And um, students, you are at the dynamite life stage to be inviters because you are surrounded in 24-7 community by people of the same age and stage who are all leaving home, working out who they want to be as an adult, um, have time and a curiosity and are in an education environment where we're all learning new things. So of course, when you go, do you want to find out more about God? Because I really believe in it. And I go to the Tinkle church. It might be like quite interesting. Students are like, well, I'm up for learning new things, new experiences, meeting new people. Yeah, so... In a way, I'm like, of course, students are inviting a bit more. Please don't underestimate how golden your opportunities are as students. As soon as you graduate, for all the recent grads in the room, you'll know this, your world shrinks painfully, painfully. You lose all your friends overnight. You have to do something called um, a paid job. And um, it's quite dramatic, the difference. Because suddenly, you're not going to uh, like to Tesco in pyjamas with all of your friends and having like, whole days of let's back-to-batch watch movies. It's like, no, no, you get fired if you don't show up. <laughs> and then you're tired. <laughs> okay? <laughs> so, it, in a way, makes sense. I also was quite surprised that only half of our community had to go at inviting anybody at all. Because you might not know this because many of you will be new to this journey, but G2 was set up for people that wouldn't otherwise do church to be able to be invited into church and understand more of God. Sunday has always been one of the major priorities of how we do our gathered church on Sundays has been around making it open, accessible and understandable for anyone off the street to walk in and get it so we don't use loads of weird christian language we try and explain what sung worship is when communion happens we we don't just use that word we go okay this is what the bread and the wine mean and this is what it means to follow jesus and step towards unity and you know what i mean like we explain things we try to make sunday not too like formal in terms of dress code in terms of traditions in terms of words that you should know off by heart so that nobody feels left out if they're not used to church traditions before Sunday has been one of our key big front door invites for how to G2 does invitation so for me to realize that only half of the community thought to invite somebody on a Sunday that surprised me because also I now don't come to G2 because it's not my local and I'll tell you a fact you won't realize how good you've got it till you've left Because to be in churches that haven't thought about being relevant to the next generation coming through, being understandable in language and culture, and being community building, even how we do coffee and sweet treats as you come in. Do not underestimate how difficult it is to bring people to a church where you're explaining so much more stuff that doesn't make sense to the outside world. Because I'm really struggling with that at the moment. And I really missed G2 on a Sunday because this was always a place, no matter who my friend was, that I would bring people and know they'd understand it. I was surprised to see 50%. Now, hubs. Some of you will know about hubs, particularly if you were here last term or last year. This is now the third cycle of hubs. I can understand that last year maybe we invited less of our mates to hubs because, it, like I said before, it's difficult to invite some, somebody to something that you don't really know what it is. But we're on the third round now. So, my expectation is this year, I expect those hub invite stats to go up because you know the deal. You know it is actually a very doable, fun community. You know it only lasts 10 weeks, so no one gets freaked out by overcommitment in our generation. And you know that if it really didn't work for you, next time round, there's another one to choose from. I was looking down the hub list. Here are some ones that I think are absolute no-brainers for invites. Craft, no-brainer. Why? Because you're focused on an activity, not about the God bit, which means as you create something together, you can have all the meaningful chats without it being too intense. The dream. Football, no-brainer. Crack on. Salsa, no-brainer. Crack on. The bus stop for young people, for youth, if you live next door to any teenagers or students. No-brainer. That bus is like a double-decker bus that has an absolute wow factor for any teenager. That's an easy invite. Even the prayer-focused ones, refuge and engine, do not underestimate the power of prayer as a tool for people to actually come to know Jesus for the first time. If any of you you have ever offered prayer to your housemates, you'll know basically it's received very well. Even if they say, I don't want you to pray for me now, they like that you pray for them. Inviting somebody to a prayer meeting might not be a bonkers idea. People have actually come to know Jesus just through realising they can talk to him rather than it needing to be a set-up course. But of course, we have our dear friend Alpha, just in case uh, you want something very, very clearly about discovering uh, who Jesus is. Alpha is made for invitation. The whole deal with Alpha is you invite anybody to just try it. Um, You've got another Alpha hub coming up right now. And um, on the Alpha thing, I was really surprised on the stats back, just back one. Last year... Last year, our entire community's focus was alpha in terms of we stopped, this time last year, we stopped every midweek group. And every day of the week, there was an alpha uh, course that you could run, an introduction to Christianity that you could bring your friends to. And the deal was as a community, we all stopped everything else in order to invite our friends and to do alpha with our friends. Saying that, to see that literally just over a third of our community even gave one invite, that really shocked me. Because we as a church, signed up to, we're really going to, in faith, invite our friends to discover more of God with us. But only a third actually even tried. That surprised me. Finally, and most importantly, we asked the community to honestly name how you thought you were doing around living an invitational lifestyle last year. And here's what you said. These are probably the results that I found most challenging. Only 15% of our entire church community were active in any capacity in inviting, 85% basically said, not really, or I'm actually very unlikely to invite. Now, the funny thing is, as a leadership team, we'd already decided that we really felt like it was right to do a year of invitation before we had any stats to back it up. It was more of like a gut instinct with God sort of thing. That stat, around 85% of the community not actively inviting anybody to know more of God with any of the way that we express our faith community with G2 gathered in the small, the medium or the large. That for me says, okay, that was the right instinct to do a year of invitation. Because if God is the God of invitation, if the whole way of following Jesus is you say yes to his invite to come follow me, and then he says, and now you are given the task of telling everybody they're also invited, we've got quite a disconnect between how our theology that we read in scripture is actually outplayed in how you're a friend, a housemate, a coursemate, a neighbour, a family member. I don't know whether any of you heard Christian's talk last week, but The hardest bit of it that made me cry, actually, was um, when he told the story of somebody that had been interested in finding about God for the first time, had heard about G2, emailed from the website, turned up, wasn't spoken to, left without being spoken to, and has said they will never try again. That made me cry. That's partly because um, God's heart is for the people that don't yet know him to know him so you get a glimpse of the father's heart when one of his kids go you're not there and it's his church it was our job secondly that was on my watch because i am g2 and i was definitely in g2 last year unless it happened after summer (laughs) um that i could have been there that sunday that definitely could have been my fault because i am the church i don't go to church i am the church right you, you don't just come to G2, you are G2. That's on our watch. Somebody walked in, was ignored and walked out and doesn't know about God and doesn't want to try again. Oh, that's really difficult. I think what I found hard with the survey was as people said, one of the main, uh, over 50% of the community also said one of the main reasons they don't invite people to Sunday G2 is because of how bad the welcome is. The lack of welcome. But then on the same day that I read that, which was just coincidence, I then get an email from G2 kind of admin central saying, hey, guys, and the welcome rotor is the least filled. It's the one that people are least bothered about, like filling. We could really do with some people on welcome. And I thought that's not that's not by chance that I've read them both on the same minute. Our stats and feedback is we don't think we do very good on Sunday welcome. But we're not actually living what we're speaking because we're giving the feedback, but we are the welcome team. We all are. If you're, if you're not on a rotor, it's just that means you haven't come early to set up certain bits of signage and coffee. That doesn't mean you're not the welcomer. And I suddenly thought, oh, man, as a community, we just need to have a look at our own stats for a minute. We said we don't think the welcome's good enough, and the welcome is the one that nobody wants to volunteer for. If we genuinely value the welcome, why isn't that team exploding with life, creativity, energy, and friendship groups going, we'll all sign up? I would love this time next year, Hannah, to tell me, oh, Miriam, we're actually floundering too many welcomers. Like, the, the welcome team is so oversubscribed, we it's thinking of planting a new service, literally, for the welcome team. <laughs> God has given us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Now, uh, this one's funny. We asked you, how active and invited do you think you'd be this month, right now? This is what you said. I love your honesty, G2. So sweet. Basically, a quarter of you are like, I've got high hopes for a new year. (laughs) 25% of you moved and went, in faith, I'll do more. I don't know how. I've not thought about it yet. I'll do more. And then the rest of you genuinely just went, nah, mate. (laughs) I didn't before. I wouldn't now. Nope. I want to challenge that again. Over half of our community said they've got no intention of becoming inviters in 2018. That's until this Sunday preach. Come on. Let's redo that survey now. Please, Holy Spirit. I can't fault your honesty, but I do want to question your theology. Who do you think God is? Do you believe that you are genuinely invited by an overwhelming love of God with arms wide open saying, you are invited to know me and you're invited to be used by me to let others know that they are loved? If we don't think that we're going to invite this year, which is what more than half of our community have said. That actually bottles down to some quite real tangible things of going. There are people that I think are uninvitable and there are people that I've given up on hoping for. That's the reality. If we're saying I don't invite people to anything to do with my faith community. We're actually saying, I don't think God is at work in the people's lives that are around me, and I don't think He can use me, even though the scriptures say that's exactly what He intends to do. So just pause for a moment and on your own, in your head, have a little think. Who have you, inadvertently, just because you've not thought about it, who have you given up on inviting? Who is the least likely person you would expect God to sit next to you here one Sunday, one week, because they said yes? Who did we give up on? I remember when I used to help lead the student work here, I got the best, worst feedback from a student that I've ever had. Uh, she was having a hard time, didn't like G2, had some problems with it, met up with her uh, just to hear what was going on for her, and uh, she said it was, it was absolutely brilliant. Um why do you keep banging on about mission? It's almost as if G2 doesn't just exist for the people already in the building. It's almost as if G2 gathers for the people not in the room. And I thought, praise the Lord, I've actually done, we've actually done something right. Oh, my goodness. I, like, I thought we were doing pretty lame. But if that is your negative feedback, I'll take that seven days a week. Now, of course, the theology of church isn't that we're just here for somebody not here. No, we're a body. So you different parts, all make up one body. And in fact, scriptures say that people know the love of God by the love we have for one another. So it's actually vital that we're also for each other in the room, that we also lay our lives down for each other and we learn how to be a family. Of course, it matters who's already here. Of course, we need to love one another. But God's heart is always looking for the one that isn't in the room as well. Look at any of the lost parables in Luke 15. He's like, love the 99, where's that one gone though? God is consistently looking out and he's saying to his body, be like Jesus, be the body of Christ. Be the hands, the feet, the eyes, the ears, the mouth of Jesus and be a living invitation, just as my son was to you. So yes, the church is gathered for us, but it's also not for us because it's for God. And when you meet God, you realise he's always looking and he's always inviting and he's always sharing himself. That's why I love David's psalm, Psalm 84 that we've already heard. One of my favorite bits of scripture. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. I would rather hold open the door so that somebody might know that the kingdom of God is right there. It's at hand. It's a breath away. And know that they are invited. When we gather together, our job is to throw the doors open, both literally and metaphorically, and say to the people on the street, say to our friends and our family, you are invited. And when we're out with all of our mates that don't yet know Jesus and we're hanging out of an evening and somebody just declares something that sounds hopeless or is a lie about their life that we just know God would say different, we're door holders in conversation. We open up the door and speak truth. We prophesy what God would say about them. We offer to pray for them. We invite the Holy Spirit into the space. We bring hope. We bring life. We bring encouragement. We bring joy. We bring laughter because we're door holders to the kingdom of God. We aren't Jesus, but we door hold and go, he's right there you are invited to meet him. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. This is our year of invitation and I'm convinced that it won't happen for us as a faith community across the different services, different hubs and different expressions. It won't happen unless we all go together. It won't happen if one of you is a massively keen inviter, sees breakthrough with your housemates, and then the rest of the church turn their back when the the new people walk in. We all have to be the welcome team. We all have to embrace this year of invitation. If you're rubbish at cooking, we actually have to get together so that we can have good meals and good conversations and share together with each other. We all have to help carry each other's friends in prayer and actually like meeting up with people and letting people spot the Holy Spirit difference in us. We won't do a year of invitation if we don't all go together. This isn't just an individual response and it definitely isn't go away with your list of people, put an alpha flyer through a letterbox or under a door and think you've done your job. This is about a lifestyle change, an attitude change, a prayer change. We begin to think, God, how are you inviting me and how might I invite others? Together, we'll make a year of invitation. So I'm going to invite the band up and I'm going to pray for us. And there's a couple of ways I'm going to do this. Firstly, I just want us to take a little bit of space to invite the Holy Spirit personally to reveal to us again what does it mean to be invited by God. Because like I say, if you don't know and haven't experienced his invitation, how are you supposed to give away something you've not been given? How are you supposed to give away what you didn't even know you had? And then when we've had a bit of space to think about that, to invite the Holy Spirit to reveal that to us. Then, because we can't go unless we go together, there's a kind of group response that I'd love us to do. And it's real simple. It's basically raising both your hands. When you raise your hands, it is both a yes to embracing all of the invitation that God has when he says to you, know me closer, know me deeper, hear my voice, know that you are loved, know that you are called, know that you're invited. It's the yes to the invitation of God. But it's also arms wide open, opening your life to be a life used by God to invite others. And the reason we do that together is because, like I say, we're one body. We all go together or we don't go at all. Why don't you stand with me and I'd love to pray for us. And so we wait. Holy Spirit, we stand and we wait for you. Presence of God, will you come? Revelation of God, will you fill our hearts? Will you open our eyes? Will you fill our minds? with a deeper understanding of how loved and invited we are by you. God, we don't want to go anywhere that doesn't start with you, your presence, and a deep revelation of who we are in you. Come, Holy Spirit. Breathe life into your church now. Come, Lord. For some of you I think there's going to be a specific invitation God has for you like a whisper like I'm actually inviting you to come read this bit the bible with me I want to show you something in there or he's inviting you to pray for somebody in particular or he's inviting you to believe a truth that's been spoken over your life that you've just not believed about yourself Holy Spirit will you speak we wait will you speak father we don't want to be individuals self-centered or just looking at ourselves and thinking it's all on us we go as a community god we want revelation as a community we want breakthrough as a community and we want this to be a year of invitation as a community so as a sign of that god as a sign of accepting your invite as one body and opening up our lives as an invitation to others we raise our hands father We raise our hands as a commitment to you, God, as an outward sign of God. Would you fill us? Would you reveal to us how we are invited? And Jesus, we dare to believe what the scriptures say, that you actually choose us to be the invitation to others. You genuinely use us to be in the business of reconciliation between humanity and its maker. Come, Holy Spirit, make us one. Use us as the body of Christ. To live as Jesus lived. To invite as Jesus invited. And to see transformation as Jesus saw. Come Holy Spirit. Take our hands and fill them with your presence. Take our outward sign and fill them with inward revelation and transformation. Use us God. May this be an extraordinary year of knowing the invitation of God in our lives. And sharing it with others. In the name and authority of Jesus. Amen.